welcome to the podcast for the journal Integrated Environmental Assessment and Management, better known as IEAM. I'm Jenny Shaw. Nanomaterials are small but key components in consumer products like electronics, sunscreens, and antimicrobial clothing, just to name a few. Despite their widespread use, scientists are still struggling to assess their potential hazards with regulatory policy hinging on these assessments. The January 2017 issue of IEAM contains an article on using chemical alternatives assessment for engineered nanomaterials. Lead author Rune Hjort is a postdoc in the Department of Environmental Engineering at the Technical University of Denmark, and we recently caught up with him to talk about the study. Hi, Rune. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Jenny. Well, thank you for having me. We're excited to learn more about nanomaterials, which they seem to be something that are relatively new on the scene, but we just don't know all that much about them. I mean, they're not really chemicals. Can you tell us more about what exactly nanomaterials are? Well, um, nanomaterials are essentially small particles, although definitions vary. A nanometer essentially means one billionth of a meter. And to, to give that context, um, I think your fingernail grows about a nanometer every second. Uh, so it's, it's, it's very small. And although we have particles in, in nature that are in this size range, what is new is that we now can manipulate these particles and use them in useful ways. And we uh, can incorporate them into sort of everyday products or uh, commercial processes uh, so that we now sort of use them in the same way that we use with chemicals. So what are some of the challenges to assessing exposure and hazard for them? Well, normally when we talk about hazard, uh, we like to use a mass-based metric. So we talk about, for instance, milligrams per liter of something is hazardous. But for nanomaterials, we're not sure that that's such a good way to go. A number-based metric, so how many particles or like the surface area of the particle could be a better way to describe it. And as, as we also talk about in the paper, the sheer number of possible nanomaterials that you can make with different sizes, shapes, and coatings, it's difficult to sort of have a unifying system. We don't have like a cast system as we do for chemicals. Um, so it can get difficult in other ways just to identify the chemical you're working with. There's a big issue in environmental uh, transformations. So the, the particle that you're trying to, to work with, which is not a Christine particle that you're assessed and you have from your factory, is not the particle that, you know, will end up exposing humans or be in the environment because it will be transformed multiple times in the environment. So again, you have a, a very big possible number of particles that you actually have to assess to try to give some sense to your assessment. And the issue is that a lot of these models that we use to, to assess these things, they don't necessarily take these special properties of nanomaterials into account. Is that why you looked at alternatives assessment rather than something like risk assessment? Well, we've been looking at risk assessment for, for a long time to see how can we try to make risk assessment work. And a lot of the same issues that we have with alternatives assessment also tackle a lot of the same issues because they also incorporate the same sort of modules of risk assessment and hazard assessment, exposure assessment. But what makes alternatives assessment a big difference is that first of all, alternatives assessment is um, is a system of trying to look for substitution, meaning that if you have something which is hazardous, uh, you're trying to evaluate, can I find a better alternative for what it is that I want to do with my compound? So the big difference between doing risk assessment, where the question is, how risky is this? 
alternatives assessment asks, you know, a completely different question, which is, can I find a better alternative to what it is that I'm trying to do? And especially um, for something like uh, nanomaterials where we don't know that much about their toxicity. Right. This is one of our points in the paper, at least, and that's that's why we sort of um, are intrigued by the use of alternatives assessment, because it sort of looks into both the performance and the benefit of a material in combination with the risk. So it sort of addresses um, whether there's a balance there. And when we can't really quantify the risk, it really sort of advocates that we should have a good benefit. And if we don't have a benefit or we don't know why we're using the material, then we probably shouldn't be using it in the first place. So it helps you get around some obstacles and actually trying to look into how can we overcome issues instead of just looking into are they more or less risky than what we're willing to accept. So then what advantages does alternatives assessment provide for evaluating nanomaterials? It sort of asks a different questions than we normally ask in risk assessment um, by first of all sort of like highlighting what is the function of my material because if you don't know the function of your material, it's difficult to find an alternative that can sort of uh, fulfill the role of your original material. So it sort of allows for a little bit of alternative thinking as well to sort of you know, look outside of your box to try to find solutions to issues or find better alternatives because you have to look at risk in combination with the performance as well as other parameters such as cost, availability, all these sort of commercial issues that also are available or present when addressing these sorts of uh, materials. Alternatives assessment sounds more comprehensive than risk assessment. And right. at what point do you move from risk assessment of a certain substance to alternatives assessment? Yeah, it's a really good question. And I think for a lot of people, how they interlink is a little bit confusing. It's mainly because risk assessment is such a classic tool in our world. Everyone knows exactly where it has to go, whereas substitution is sort of seen normally as a risk management option. So it sort of goes normally like later on when you have identified a risk, when you have identified a hazardous chemical, uh, you want to look into, can I find a way to find a less hazardous uh, option that would give me the same benefits? So it seems like alternatives assessment, the, the framework, allows you to evaluate whether a substance or chemical is truly needed. And if it is, how do you make it safer? This is something you touched on earlier. How does this become important in the context of nanomaterials? Well, I don't think that the framework for alternatives assessment allows you to sort of evaluate if a compound or a material is, is needed. Along with everything else, you know, accepting a risk should really resonate with whether there's a need to introduce the risk in the first place. And as we also talked about briefly earlier, is that when we have such a hard time at trying to estimate or quantify the risk for nanomaterials, it becomes even you know more important to look into you know the reasoning for introducing the risk in the first place. And that's why we really see great promise for introducing this sort of thinking for nanomaterials because we have issues dealing with the traditional tools. Well, thank you so much for chatting with us today, Rina. Thank you for um, allowing me to talk about it. We look forward to hearing more from you and your colleagues. You've been listening to Rune Hjort discuss his article, The Applicability of Chemical Alternatives Assessment for Engineered Nanomaterials. Access the article in the January 2017 issue of IEAM.
just go to ctechjournals.org. I'm Jenny Shaw, and thank you for listening to the IEAM podcast.